Well, good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for your patience. Uh, my name is Heather Conley. I'm director of the Europe program here at the Center for Strategic and International Relations. Uh, we are absolutely delighted to have Kiriakis Mitsotakis here with us this afternoon. Boy, you decided to come in on a busy news day. That's all in, I indeed, have to yeah. say. Um, well, we're so grateful. We're going to dispense with the keynote remarks. There is so much to talk about. We're going to jump right into the discussion. But before we do that, let me well, briefly introduce you to a room that I don't think I have to really introduce you. So I'm going to do it very quickly. Um, but uh, Mr. Misatakis has been um, a business leader, a financial analyst, a CEO of National Bank Holdings, uh, equity, uh, private equity and venture capital in Greece and the Western Balkans, a parliamentarian since 2004 uh, on foreign affairs and defense committee, environmental work. You have been uh, almost on every important uh, committee in the uh, Greek parliament. And of course, since 2016, you have been the leader, the president of New Democracy. And what a perfect time to jump right in and talk about what's going on, particularly in your neighborhood. So if I may, welcome. Well, thank Can you. Can I first start with, uh, you traveled to New York first uh, and then came down to Actually Washington. Actually to, to, oh, Boston, to oh, Boston, Boston first, yeah. Did you beat the snow? Excellent. I uh, managed to sneak out right before the snowstorm. Excellent. I think they are getting about 12 inches of snow. That's what my son told me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Well, tell us, why are you here now? What is the, what is the purpose of, of your visit and what did you want to accomplish with your visit here? This is a, obviously a very interesting time, uh, I think, to, to make the case in front uh, of a U.S. audience why we should take a fresh look at what's exactly happening in Greece. Uh, Greece uh, has been making the news over the past years uh, basically for the wrong reasons. Mm. As a poster child uh, of a deep economic crisis, uh, a case study for the failures of the, uh, of the Eurozone. Uh, but I think there's good reason to look at uh, Greece and see the glass half full rather than half, uh, half empty. Uh, you know, in spite of the significant shortfallings of the, uh, of the current uh, government, we will be reaching, uh, you know, the end of the, of the third program uh, in August 2018. Uh, and uh, before we talk about the, to the geopolitical challenges, the, the first question that really um, uh, has to be answered is what will happen with Greece after the end of the, uh, of the program? What sort of conditionality is going to be imposed by our creditors? Is there going to be any sort of significant uh, debt relief? What is going to be the role of the, of the IMF? But all these uh, questions have to be answered within the context of what we do domestically. And what I'm advocating uh, is for uh, an aggressive reform agenda that will uh, look at uh, Greece's significant potential going forward. And uh, most of the fiscal consolidation has actually taken place uh, in, in Greece. But what hasn't really happened with enough emphasis is the real deep structural reforms that will make our economy truly competitive and improve the efficiency of the public administration. And I really want to talk about those issues because they will, to a great extent, determine the future of the country. And as much as we want to talk about, and we will talk about Greece's enhanced geopolitical role, if Greece is not strong economically, uh, we don't have much of a role to play geopolitically. So at the end of the day, this is fundamentally about getting our act together domestically, about uh, 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 
strengthening our institutions uh, and about uh, leveraging our, our position in a, a dramatically uh, different geopolitical environment, very, very unpredictable geopolitical environment. So these are the three main issues I, I, I talk about during my, my trip. Um, how do we get the economy to grow again? How do we build solid um, uh, institutions and make sure we strengthen our democracy? And how do we navigate a treacherous geopolitical environment? And I think these are issues which are particularly relevant uh, also to a U.S. audience, not just when we talk to, to investors who may be interested in investing in Greece, but also when, when the U.S. is looking at, at a region where nothing can be taken for granted. I think the message is that you can take Greece for granted as, as, as a credible uh, ally uh, in a very, very treacherous uh, neighborhood. Well, I, I would love at the sort of the end of our questions to go back to the domestic environment because mm -hmm. I think that's that's so important. But I'm going to start with the treacherous geopolitical mm -hmm. environment, if I may. And uh, I, I think we have to begin with the, one of the countries that is the most concerning in the Eastern Mediterranean to us right now, and it's Turkey. Mm -hmm. uh, and certainly, the last week and a half, uh, really significant events with the uh, arrest of two Greek soldiers. Uh, and you, in fact, had quite a sparring match with mm. Prime Minister Zepras in the parliament mm. about steps that the Greek government is currently taking for the release of those two soldiers. Help us understand and put this into context on uh, Greek-Turkish relations. When I visit Athens, mm. I am always surprised it is it is Greek officials who are advocating for Turkey to remain close to the Euro-Atlantic partnership, but this is clearly straining uh, domestically demonstrations the other day in northern Greece. Uh, help us understand Look, what this is. We've always, and I personally have always advocated for good neighborly relationships with Turkey. And we are destined by, by geography uh, to live together, and we should do so peacefully. And this should be uh, a mutually beneficial strategy both for Turkey uh, and for Greece. But good neighborly relations are, are based on you know respect of international law and also on respect of those sort of un unwritten rules that you know determine uh, the, the state uh, of bilateral uh, relations. What we have seen over the past months, and which is very concerning, is an increased level of aggression uh, in, the, uh, in the Aegean. Uh, we've seen President uh, Erdogan uh, making the case publicly that the Lausanne Treaty needs to be renegotiated. The Lausanne Treaty is the, the, the foundation of regional stability, and it's a treaty that basically determines uh, you know, the borders between um, uh, Greece and Turkey, so there's nothing really to renegotiate uh, regarding uh, Lausanne. Uh, these statements are inflammatory by nature. Sometimes they play to the Turkish domestic audience, but they have international repercussions. Uh, so I think the first thing we need to do is to make sure that we de-escalate the tension in the Aegean to avoid any sort of um, uh, accident uh, that could easily uh, spiral uh, out, of, um, uh, out of control. Uh, we need more confidence-building measures. We've had experience in these sorts of, uh, of discussions uh, uh, in the past, and we, we need to look at you know, strengthening our uh, economic uh, ties. And certainly, I would not want, and I don't think it would be beneficial for Turkey to, to, cut, it, to cut its ties uh, with, um, uh, with the European uh, Union, but it takes two to tango. Uh, and uh, of course, the most recent incident with uh, the arrest uh, and imprisonment in a maximum security prison of two Greek soldiers who uh, 
by accident entered uh, Turkish territory is very, very concerning. These are border incidents that actually happen, I wouldn't say very frequently, but they have happened in the past. They were always resolved um, um, uh, through a direct communication uh, between uh, you know, even the colonels in charge. It wouldn't even reach the, the level of the, of the local generals. This time, that was not the case. So I'm again urging uh, publicly uh, Turkey to release the two Greek soldiers uh, as, as quickly as, as possible. There's no reason whatsoever why they should be in a maximum security uh, prison. Uh, this is a minor incident. It should not be turned into a major um, diplomatic episode. I think the government uh, underestimated the, the, the importance of the, uh, of the incident. And clearly one of the issues I have with the Greek government is that it, uh, it seems to be talking with, with two voices, different approaches adopted by the Prime Minister and different approach by Minister of Defense Kamenos. And this is highly problematic. The, the Greek government today needs to present a unified front. For that matter, the country needs to present a unified front. I've been very, very careful uh, publicly uh, when I've criticized the government when it comes to foreign affairs. Because I think what uh, last thing we need is to make a, a foreign policy problem, turn it into a, a domestic political problem. The Greek political um, debate is, is toxic enough. We, we don't need to add more, more fuel to it. On the other hand, it's the government's responsibility to do whatever it can to ensure that uh, the two soldiers are released as quickly as possible. Again, I would publicly say that this has the potential of uh, this incident has the potential of doing great damage to the goodwill that I think exists between our two people, and, uh, and, and rightly so. Um, uh, uh, but uh, uh, this is a very concerning incident, and I would again uh, urge uh, uh, Turkey uh, to, to address it as quickly as possible. I think we're also watching very closely as uh, some offshore energy production, offshore Cyprus is beginning, uh, certainly seeing uh, ExxonMobil is involved in this, Eni as well, uh, uh, the, the Turkish vessels that are being sent, uh, warships uh, to those areas. This is also something very concerning. I uh, would welcome your reflections on, on issues related to Cyprus. We came very close last year to, uh, with the hopes of some efforts of reunification that fell apart, in part because of security guarantees. Mm. Um, uh, what's your reflections on uh, and your, your prognosis, if you will, for potential uh, success of reunification mm. talks. First of all, what's happening within the Cyprus uh, exclusive economic zone is just not concerning. It's unacceptable. Uh, it's, a, it's a direct violation of international law. Uh, Cyprus has uh, every right within the exclusive economic zone uh, to, uh, to drill and to uh, exploit uh, whatever um, hydrocarbon resources uh, it can uh, it, it can find and sort of connecting connecting you know the um, uh, what happens within the exclusive economic zone uh, to the to the talks on on, on Cyprus is, is, is in my mind not a valid argument. Also to the extent that President Sassoulides has publicly said that we want to create a fund that is going to benefit uh, the entire island um, uh, and uh, obviously you know should the Cyprus problem be resolved, this is going to be wealth that is going to be. Uh, shared amongst Greek Cypriots and Turkish Cypriots. Uh, you're right to point out that uh, we came close uh, in the recent round of negotiations, and I would uh, very much uh, urge all involved parties to pick up the momentum from where, we, from where we stopped. Security guarantees need to be addressed, and I think Turkey understands that a security arrangement 
that dates back uh, almost you know, 55 years is, is clearly outdated uh, in, in today's world. And we cannot have these types of uh, security uh, guarantees if we, if we really want to, uh, to solve um, the, the Cyprus uh, problem. And this is also the area where you know, uh, Greece is, is involved. The other issues, the domestic issues, uh, it's up to the two communities uh, to, to address those. I mean, progress uh, has been made, but uh, I don't think we should. Uh, I don't think we should be deterred. President Asasiadis, uh, who is a who's a who's a close friend, and I, I firmly believe in his in his leadership, managed to uh, to steer the the Cypriot economy out of a profound economic crisis. Lots of lessons to be learned also for addressing our economic problems. What, what Cyprus did is a good example. Of what we should be doing uh, in, in Greece. He won a second mandate. Um, uh, the two candidates that actually made it into the second round, both were in favor of, of finding a, a solution. So we, we should pick up the momentum. But it's very difficult to do that uh, while you know Turkey is uh, is actually provoking within the Cypriot uh, um, exclusive economic zone. Absolutely. Let me turn uh, towards, uh, this is the, a fraught geopolitical uh, neighborhood for sure. Let's turn to the Western Balkans today, and I'm going to just read something to you. Today, uh, Assistant Secretary of State Wes Mitchell is actually in Skopje, mm -hmm. and I just want to read a quote um, that he told, uh, he was speaking to journalists, he told uh, these journalists that there is a tremendous opportunity for Skopje and Athens to reach a deal over uh, the name uh, recognition issue, and that he felt that we are encouraged with the steps that um, Greece and the former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia have taken, so we want to be supportive. So I want to ask you, is this a tremendous opportunity, and are you encouraged by the steps that have been taken thus far? Mm -hmm. You raised some issues about needing a, a package. Uh, it goes beyond getting the name right. It talks about constitutional changes, educational changes in the school books. Yeah. Help us understand this. It feels like we're getting close. I'm a little bit less optimistic. Okay. Uh, the reason, uh, reason being that uh, uh, from, and I'll, I'll talk about the Greek side for a moment. Um, I do recognize that uh, the current government in Skopje uh, is, is, is more open yeah. uh, to a compromise than the previous government. Uh, and this has to be acknowledged, it's a fact. Uh, but let's look at what really happened uh, in Greece when this issue first came to the forefront. Uh, Prime Minister Tsipras had an opportunity uh, to create a unified front and to articulate a, a common position that would unite most parties um, uh, in, in achieving the best possible result uh, in, in this negotiation. He failed to do that. Um, he briefed us only after he had seen uh, Prime Minister Zayev. At the same time, he seemed to completely underplay the sort of instinctive reaction of a significant portion of, uh, of the Greek um, population who feel very strongly about this issue. Uh, this is essentially the, um, uh, the, the return of identity politics. Um, people care a lot about, uh, about this issue in Greece. And Prime Minister Tsipras never respected that. If anything, he branded everyone who protested you know, against any use of the name uh, Macedonia, e either as belonging to the, to the far right uh, or as, uh, as being completely out of touch with, uh, with reality. He insulted, actually, a lot of people. So he failed to create the sort of momentum that is necessary for a compromise uh, solution, and he never wanted to bring the opposition aboard. If anything, he tried to divide the opposition. I think one of his main goals was to divide new democracy on this. He, he failed 
uh, on, that, uh, on that respect. Now, we've always been talking about a package solution. Um, this is not a solution that can be addressed in, in, in steps. And of course, a package solution has to include changes um, um, uh, by Skopje of their constitution. In my mind, it's a mandatory requirement, but also uh, addressing the issues of identity, um, uh, irredentism that still exists within, within school books. Uh, these issues sometimes are even more important um, than, uh, than, it's even more important than the issue of the name. Uh, give you an example of, of the sort of things that really offend Greeks, and I'm sure that even <coughs> those within the audience who are not Greek, I think, will understand what I what I will say. I mean, for example, there was a, a talk show that uh, a British talk show two months ago. Host asked the question, uh, "What was the nationality of Alexander the Great?" Um, the player answers, "He was Greek." Um, talk show host says, "No, wrong. He was Macedonian." Um, so these issues uh, are really v cause a lot of emotional reaction. Uh, there's nothing to be shared regarding the cultural heritage of Alexander the Great. Uh, because I read the statement by uh, Prime Minister Dimitrov that we need to, to share our cultural identity. There's nothing to be shared there. I mean, um, uh, Alexander the Great uh, was, was Greek. His, uh, uh, there's no doubt about, uh, uh, about that. Uh, and uh, we're not going to enter in any discussion or any negotiation about this. This is a core part of, of, of our national identity. There's no compromise on this issue. We will stay tuned on that front. Let me stay in the Balkans for a little bit. Uh, there's some other uh, big issues, uh, concerns about Bosnia, uh, concerns about uh, upcoming presidential elections in Montenegro, of course, Serbia and Kosovo. Uh, Greece is one of five EU member states that has not recognized mm -hmm. Kosovo. What keeps you up at night, uh, other than the name recognition issue and the broader issues in the Balkans? Greece has always been a strong uh, thought leader for the Western Balkans. The Thessaloniki summit of remains course, no. the key architecture of that enlargement strategy. What are you following in addition to this uh, important name recognition issue? What other issues are Well, concerned? first of all, uh, let me point out that it's, it's unfortunate as a result of the crisis, but also as a result, I think, of a, of a certain lack of interest by the, the, the current Greek government. I think we, we're losing our leadership role in the Balkans. And this is a pity, because Greece is, remains the only country that is uh, it's a member of uh, EU-NATO and the Eurozone, uh, was always, uh, you know, still is, in spite of the crisis, the richest country uh, in, in the area, and was uh, sort of a, a model country towards which many, many Balkan countries aspired. I don't, I don't feel that we are, are playing that role uh, in the Balkans uh, to the extent that we, uh, that we should. Um, the Western Balkans are by nature very, very, very complicated. And, and, and of course, we know that keeping the, the sort of Euro-Atlantic path um, open for the Western Balkans is, is critical in maintaining peace, stability, and prosperity in the region. This is something that also, you know, firearms Skopje need to understand. I mean, they care very much, and they sh as they should, about this issue. Um, I think they need to push harder to find a solution. But it's not just about um, it's not just about firearm. Uh, I think Serbia. Look at you know the role of Albania and Serbia. These are the two pivotal uh, countries in uh, uh, in the region. There's a tug of war regarding Serbia's direction, but I I think that uh, you know 
we need to keep Serbia firmly uh, anchored uh, to, um, uh, to the West. It's, it's a critical country for the stability uh, of the Balkans. And I think it's also important to, to make sure that we, um, uh, we, we normalize our relationships with, um, with Albania. Uh, and uh, uh, there are discussions that have taken place. There have been efforts uh, also uh, in, in, in the past. I think that there's a broad agreement within um, political parties that relationships with Albania uh, need to be need to be streamlined. Uh, 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 lots of outstanding issues, but not as important uh, for Greek public opinion as the issue uh, of uh, uh, of the name. So, uh, lots of lots of um, uh, lots of challenges, but no easy solutions. Uh, and uh, let me point out that you know these countries have to go through, still have to go through a process of uh, of, of nation building, um, and uh, there's a lot of work to be done. Domestically, it's hard work, um, uh, and it, but it has to be done. Well, I, I'm just a reflection. I think the United States, in many ways, has also taken its eye off the uh, the importance of the Western Balkans and staying engaged. But I, I will say, one country that has uh, increased, I think, its its role and influence in the Balkans has been Russia. Certainly, it was a wake up call. For, for many in Washington and, and the alleged coup attempt in uh, Montenegro uh, in October of 2016. And so I think just bringing that sort of back to the region and back to Greece, we are concerned about a Russian influence in Greece. And I think we all sort of, if you opened up your New York Times today, you saw an article about uh, a uh, Greek-Russian oligarch in Thessaloniki, Ivan Savidis. Uh, He's certainly um, amassing quite, uh, quite a significant property holdings uh, in Thessaloniki, the port as well. He has stated that you will never become prime minister. Uh, he's also the president of the Russian Association of Greek Communities. Help us understand Russian influence in Greece because it is worrisome to us as it's their influence here in the United States is uh, uh, certainly very concerning. Help us understand that. Well, I think you, regarding Mr. Savidis, you're asking the wrong person. You should ask Mr. Tsipras. Because uh, he was, and still is, to a certain extent, in bed with him. Um, what, I mean, what I mean is that uh, uh, there was a very cozy arrangement uh, uh, between uh, Mr. Savidis and, and Mr. Tsipras, where he actually, uh, Mr. Tsipras tried to accommodate Mr. Savidis by writing off some um, uh, fines that uh, one of his uh, cigarette companies um, had, had accumulated. And uh, in exchange for that, um, Mr. Savidis uh, expressed an interest in buying media outlets that clearly support the government. So we've been talking for a long time about the new generation of oligarchs uh, who have very cozy relationships with the government, uh, who are very close to the government, and who are actually worse than the old oligarchs that we had, because we had old oligarchs. Let's have no doubt about, uh, about that. And when we talk about these issues, nobody seemed to pay. Um, a lot of attention, uh, and uh, uh, I, you know, I've made my position very, very, uh, very clear. Uh, it's not up to anyone, but for the Greek people to decide who will become a prime minister. I'm not to be blackmailed, and I'm certainly not going to be intimidated by uh, by anyone. But it uh, it took, you know, uh, an invasion by someone with a gun uh, into a f on a football pitch for people to notice uh, and for people abroad to notice. I mean, these scenes are embarrassing. Uh, they're embarrassing for the country. Greece is not a post-Soviet uh, sort of quote-unquote democracy. And it is my duty, if, if anything, and this is more important even than what's happening in the economy, to make sure that Greece 
does not become a failing state when it comes to its institutions. And what we have seen by this government, uh, be it you know, the creation of the support um, to, to new uh, oligarchs um, uh, um, uh, with, you know, with clearly shady business dealings, their interventions in justice, um, uh, their attempt to control the media landscape, the way they go after their political opponents. This is standard playbook for all populist uh, you know, governments, be it uh, from the right or from the, uh, or from the left. So the next election in Greece is not just going to be about the economy, it's also going to be about um, uh, democracy. And uh, I, I gave a speech yesterday at Boston College, and uh, I mentioned a, a book that was um, written recently, actually received a lot of coverage by two Harvard scholars called How Democracies Die. Uh, and uh, the, the argument is very straightforward. They, there's no longer, I mean, the threat of a coup, but they get eroded. Uh, their core gets eroded, and uh, one recipe for a weak democracy is how toxic the political debate is becoming. And I can tell you that it's becoming very toxic in Greece today. Uh, we, we're, we don't, um, uh, we're not the ones uh, uh, advocating uh, such a political discourse. If anything, we want to talk about the future. Uh, we want to unite the country. I don't want to divide uh, uh, Greece. But it looks like we will be entering a prolonged campaign phase where these issues are, gonna, are, going to be, uh, are going to be quite relevant. So all in all, yes, we are concerned uh, about any influence uh, in, uh, in Greece. Uh, we want to leave people, you know, the, the decision uh, as to who will be you know, the next prime minister is a decision only the Greek people can make, and I'm pretty confident that they will make the right decision. So if we think about Russian influence, perhaps uh, focused on the Thessaloniki port and, and the real estate holdings, we're also looking at a new trend of China's influence in the south, in the port of Piros, uh, a major uh, holding now, I believe 51% of the port, but please correct me if I'm wrong. Some have suggested that um, uh, a decision that was taken last year about whether Greece would support a European Union human rights statement uh, against China, which Greece did not support, is there starting to become, because Greece looks increasingly important uh, as a port for China's Belt and Road Initiative, and of course the rail and the, the opening to the Western Balkans, uh, where we also see China increasing their uh, infrastructure footprint. Help us understand what China's influence in Greece means. Okay, I mean, I'm talking about Greece leveraging its geopolitical position to the maximum. This means that Greece, by nature, is, is an entry point for trade from the east and potentially from the south. Uh, you know, east Africa, India, China, uh, Piraeus, or Greece is a natural entry point with these goods. And I must say that when, when China, when Chinese interests expressed an interest in purchasing the port of Piraeus, there was nobody else interested. And I also have to, to acknowledge that this investment has been a successful investment. Uh, it has created jobs. It has improved um, the efficiency of, uh, of the port. Uh, and uh, it has the potential of revitalizing uh, you know, an, an, entire, an entire city. So with this investment, personally, I want to be very clear, I'm, I'm happy with this investment. But I would like to see foreign investment in Greece to be as diversified as possible. Uh, I don't see any reason to worry that China is buying you know, a disproportionate share of Greek strategic uh, uh, assets. Uh, again, the, the, the port of Thessaloniki, 
obviously Mr. Savilis is a shareholder, right, but, but it's basically China. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's uh, but it's basically French and German interests. Uh, the French are the majority um, uh, owners, and we are currently at a state where we need to encourage foreign direct investment, uh, and provided everybody plays by the rules, we are to a certain extent agnostic as to the provenance of this. Uh, uh, of, uh, of, the, of the foreign uh, capital that we need. I mean, Greece needs anywhere between 80 and 100 billion euros in investment, not necessarily foreign, domestic and foreign investment, over the next seven to eight years in order to make up for the investment gap that uh, was created as a result of the crisis. So we need to mobilize foreign capital. We'd love to see more um, uh, U.S. interest, real, uh, um, real money, not just hedge funds. Nothing against hedge funds necessarily, but you know sometimes they they sell at very sort of a, a, a very unfortunate. Uh, uh, the, the timing can be unfortunate, but I want to see more more real investment uh, in uh, in Greece. It's important that the U.S. Uh, is the honored country in the annual Thessaloniki uh, trade fair. I think it will be an opportunity for Greece as a whole to make uh, to make a case as a uh, as an attractive investment destination. I always uh, you know uh, support foreign investment in Greece, unlike what Mr. Tsipras did when he was in the opposition. Uh, I, uh, I will make the case for why Greece is an investment, uh, you know, an attractive investment destination. I will make the case because I also believe that the next government is going to do a lot to, to facilitate foreign investment in, in Greece. So I encourage people to look at Greece now because at some point I think there will be a, uh, there will be a political change. But coming back to your question uh, about uh, China, I am not, uh, I'm not too concerned uh, about uh, an increased or a disproportionately uh, um, sort of important presence of, uh, of, of, uh, of Chinese capital in Greece. It's a perfect segue into the United States because uh, certainly uh, U.S. Uh, economic trade policy has come into focus with uh, President Trump's announcement that uh, he will be seeking uh, tariffs on steel and aluminum. Uh, the EU has said it's ready for countermeasures should that uh, be in place. That does not help uh, a good transatlantic uh, trade investment climate. Help us understand from your perspective, uh, and sure in some of your discussions with U.S. officials here, you're trying to strengthen opportun Greek, e Greek opportunities uh, economically. <coughs> a trade war is not going to help that, right? No, it's, um, it's not. Uh, and uh, you know, I'm a believer in, in free trade. I, th I think there should be rules, but I think the World Trade Organization is the is, is the body uh, that should uh, that should set those uh, uh, rules. And I think that trade wars are, uh, at the end of the day, eventually they're they're lose lose uh, propositions. And of course, it's concerned that this could lead to an escalation. Uh, and it's, it's only to be expected that the European Union is going to uh, sort of retaliate in, in, in one way uh, or another. And I just hope that this is. Uh, this is not going to uh, to spiral out of control, and it's not going to uh, to to affect uh, um, you know the, the, the state of play vis-à-vis -vis the economic relations um, of, of the U.S. versus Europe. I mean, in, in general, I mean, this should come to no surprise uh, to you. There is uh, uh, there is concern in Europe, and as someone who considers myself a you know a true friend of the United States, uh, uh, the fact that the U.S. seems to be removing itself from the leading role it played in the international sort of political defense, security, and economic post-World War II arrangement uh, is something that is, is being obviously discussed uh, in, uh, in, in Europe. And it forces Europe uh, to look at its own sort of integration process with a greater sense of urgency. Uh, we are looking at uh, European defense. 
uh, and it's only only natural that we uh, that we do so. And Greece should be at the forefront of this discussion because we are one of the few countries that actually uh, spends more than two percent of our GDP on uh, on defense. So we have uh, we have value to add to this discussion. Uh, uh, but uh, the, the concern the concern is, is is obviously is obviously there. And uh, I hope we'll we'll stop here and we'll, we'll there's going to be a cool down period uh, for reflection. Reflection is always good. I think we all share uh, yeah. your view of just slow down, slow down, make sure we know uh, the consequences. Yeah. You know, if someone would have told me several years ago that the U.S.-Greek relationship would be this strong today, knowing the views of Syriza uh, and, and the left in Greece, I would have said that's not possible. So relations, bilateral relations are strong. Uh, our relationship, particularly our security and defense relationship, Suda Bay issues, that's strong. But give me your prognosis on the U.S.-Greek bilateral relationship today and what uh, should, should you win, uh, the party win the election? Um, where would you take it from there? You're right. Uh, it, it, it is. It, it's a surprise. It's a welcome surprise. Indeed. Uh, I think that as far as the the Greek-U.S. relationship is concerned, uh, the sort of U-turn that Syriza made was uh, was a U-turn in the right direction. The same holds true for the relation between Greece and Israel, uh, the relation between Greece and, uh, and Egypt. All these were policies that were forged by the previous governments, by the center-right governments. And they seem to become mainstream policies uh, in uh, 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 in Greece, and I think this is uh, this is good because it adds continuity and predictability to our uh, foreign policy. But I think we can uh, I think we can do more. Uh, again, given the, the the nature of the relationship, uh, I would focus more on economic ties, on business ties. I would really go out of my way to make the case for um, why U.S. companies. Should uh, uh, should invest in Greece, uh, and not just the traditional companies, but also the the new tech giants. There's an interesting piece of news for those of you who follow Greece uh, closely that uh, Tesla decided to set up a research center uh, in in Greece. Small, but it's it's a good start because we've been making the case that we have excellent human capital in Greece, excellent engineers, uh, and we should have more sort of research and, and development centers. Uh, in Greece for, for technology companies. We, we could see Greece as a regional uh, hub uh, for, for headquarters for U.S. companies, shared services uh, out, of, um, uh, out of Greece. And of course, I would do much more to also foster the, the ties between Greek and U.S. Uh, educational institutions. I passionately care about education. I think it's a, a true anomaly that we still have a constitutional ban that does not allow us to set up private universities in Greece. It's my commitment to actually change that. But until we do it, we need more ties between Greek public universities and Greek American institutions. We need more programs in English. Greece, Greek public universities should be at the forefront of offering uh, programs in classics, in philosophy, uh, in archaeology. I mean, if we don't do it, uh, who is going to, uh, who's going to do it? So there are lots of also soft areas, you know, Greece as a as as a base for you know for filmmaking, uh, where we could uh, where we could really um, uh, go beyond what we traditionally consider the core of our relationship, which is defense and security. And of course, defense and security, we could do do more. Um, I think I, I would personally be open for a, a sort of a long-term agreement on Suda Bay, 
uh, which is an, an issue which, would, which could be, I think we can find a win-win solution, uh, both for the US uh, and for, for Greece. That may be asking too much for Syriza uh, to, uh, to, to talk about this, given that you know, they're sort of the party that always fantasized about kicking out US bases from Greece, but that was again the old Andres of Andrea rhetoric, this is, nothing, this is nothing new, and then he came into power and did a, did a deal uh, with, uh, uh, with the US. So uh, the left uh, uh, is accustomed to these types of, uh, of U-turns. But I think we can, uh, we can do uh, much more, uh, and, uh, and certainly when the, from the US perspective, when you look at, uh, uh, at Greece uh, uh, in a turbulent uh, region, Greece is a predictable uh, uh, partner because the consensus is now in Greece uh, that this relationship is particularly important, and regardless of our um, uh, of our core sort of uh, European identity. Uh, this is a bilateral issue that is, is is cherished and can only go in one direction, and that is towards better. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to have one last question, then we're going to bring this wonderful audience in that I'm sure are going to have a lot of questions for you as well. But let me end on a domestic uh, note. So elections, timing, um, lots of questions about the timing of those elections. Uh, the polls that I'm looking at uh, suggest that uh, New Democracy is well ahead uh, right now. But there's a question mark both of when Greece exits uh, the memorandum uh, and when the implementation of really, I think, extremely painful pension cuts may happen. Help us understand how that all plays out and the timing of when uh, the Greek people can go to the polls and express their will. Back in 2014, uh, Greece was on the path towards a sustainable recovery. Uh, the third program was completely unnecessary. It was a price we paid for the first six months uh, of, uh, of tragic negotiations by Tsipras and Varoufakis that almost pushed us to, to, to the brink uh, of, a, of a Grexit. And unfortunately, the consequences of this period are still with us because the third program may be coming to an end but essentially, Tsipras has already signed up to a fourth program. What do I mean by that? That there is a conditionality regarding our fiscal policy that goes beyond the third program. So we have agreed to fiscal measures um, which exceed 5 billion euros for 2019-2020, including, as you said, painful pension cuts and lowering the, the tax threshold. So for the first time, poor Greeks are actually going to pay income tax. And this is the legacy of Mr. Tsipras. Uh, that's what he's going to, uh, unfortunately, is, that's what he's going to uh, leave behind. So we're, I think we, we can credibly talk about almost a fourth program, but that doesn't have any funding. So we have the conditionality without the funding. So we still need to raise money from the international capital markets. And we can only do that uh, at a reasonable interest rate if we have a credible plan for the future. And I think the only party that currently has a credible plan for the future is, is new democracy. So we would be... Uh, much more likely to achieve reasonable, uh, you know, good funding with reasonable interests that, uh, rate than, uh, than the current uh, uh, government. Now, elections could take place anytime between now and, uh, uh, in my mind, May 2019. Uh, again, I'm not going to risk predicting when the elections are, gonna, uh, are going to take place. Uh, in Greece, we have a parliamentary system. The government can call an early election whenever they think it's convenient for them to do so. 
I don't think it will be convenient for them to do so because I don't see why the, uh, the big lead in the polls is going to, is going to shrink. Uh, I think people understand that they're not going to, Greeks are not going to give Tsipras a third chance. I think they will give us, uh, you know, the first, they'll give me personally the, you know, my first chance uh, to, to put this, uh, this country in order. Uh, I think Tsipras was elected in sort of a extraordinary uh, circumstances. Uh, he has failed to deliver. Uh, he's not the leader to take Greece uh, forward uh, uh, into the future. So, you know, in my mind, uh, the timing obviously is, is important, and I don't put all my faith in polls, but I do a lot, I put a lot of faith in my, in my door-to-door campaigning. So that's what I look at. I, I, I do a lot of, I'm in a constant campaigning mode. Uh, I, I talk to lots of Greeks, uh, you know, I'm outside Athens, and there's, there's an urge for change. Uh, so that, I care more about these sorts of interactions than, than the actual uh, polls. Um, uh, uh, so I'm reasonably optimistic that uh, uh, that we will uh, win and uh, that we can, you know, put together a, a program that will make the life of the average Greek better. Because at the end of the day, this is all about trust. Uh, you've seen what happened in Italy. Um, yes. There is an, a strong, there's still a strong anti-establishment trend out there. It hasn't disappeared. It won't disappear quickly. And frankly, uh, I'm satisfied by the fact that as a leader of a traditional party, um, uh, and everywhere traditional parties come under a lot of pressure, we've been, we've been able to significantly change our perception, change the party, bring in new talent, uh, new ideas. Uh, and uh, we uh, seem to be doing you know, much better than many people expected. So um, the hard work is still ahead of us, but I'm, I'm sort of pretty happy with what we have achieved so far. Excellent. Well, I know we started a few minutes late. With your permission, perhaps we can of go course, a, yeah, little, yeah. a little later yeah. because mm -hmm. I know we have lots of questions. So let's bring our audience uh, into the conversation. If you could please raise your hand um, uh, and identify yourself. We don't have that much time, so please be very crisp with your questions. What we'll do is we will bundle a few yeah. of them together, mm -hmm. so we'll just try to get as many as possible. So I'm going to sort of go to from my right to left. So Matt, if we can start here and speak very clearly clearly into that microphone because sometimes it's hard to hear. Thank you. I'm Professor Theodore Cariotis. Are you planning to declare an exclusive economic zone for Greece after you become prime minister of the country? Thank you. And I think there was another question right Sir. there. Yes, thank you. My name is Mario Rizos. Um, the recent years we have a huge brain drain leaving Greece. How do you think we can reverse that? Thank you. Is there any more uh, questions in this section? Great. Okay. Will Donna will come right up here. Ma'am, microphone's coming your way. Hello, Athena Balto, attorney based in DC and New York. Uh, could you please elaborate a little bit more as to why uh, Greece is an attractive investment destination for Americans and in which sectors in particular? Okay, why don't we just stop at the first three. Uh, yeah, I'll take them in see? reverse. Yeah. You're going to reverse order, and you've I'll, got them. Brain drain, you got them yeah, all. Yeah, don't I'll, remind I'll you. Take them, <laughs> yeah, I'll take them in reverse order. Greece has uh, lots of natural competitive advantages that stem out of you know, even the, the beauty of the country, its geographic uh, locations, but also the talent of, 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 you know, uh, of, its, of its people. It's cheap. Um, we've 
we become much more competitive uh, as, a, as a result of the, uh, of the crisis. Uh, and uh, it currently offers lots of opportunities in sectors such as tourism and real estate, uh, energy, traditional or renewable, uh, agri-business, uh, uh, logistics, uh, healthcare, uh, even financial services such as insurance. I'm saying this because it was there was interest by um, uh, American, uh, American investors to purchase uh, a leading Greek uh, insurer. So the opportunities are clearly, uh, are clearly there. If you just look at tourism, um, uh, we probably need around 20 billion euros in order to upgrade our tourism infrastructure. And by infrastructure, I don't just mean you know, the, the hotels, but also you know, the, the basic infrastructure supporting tourism, such as ports, uh, uh, marinas, uh, um, uh, a lot of scope for uh, bringing in the private sector, and still a lot of scope for uh, privatizations. So this is um, uh, a, a case that can be made not just in terms of the overall appeal of Greece, but also it needs to be made uh, on a sector by sector. Um, uh, uh, we need a sector by sector approach. What do foreign investors look? A reliable government, stable tax uh, regime, um, greatly simplified licensing uh, process, uh, rule of law. Uh, we sort these things out and we have very specific plans on all these uh, topics. Uh, and I think we can make a very convincing case about why people, um, uh, why international investors uh, should uh, should look at um, uh, at Greece, uh, and I'm confident that this is a a case that can be uh, that can be made. Brain drain, uh, a major major concern. We talk a lot about the diaspora, and I've been very close to the to the Greek homogenia, Greeks uh, living in in America, first, second, third generation Greeks. But we have a new diaspora, people who left the country in times of crisis, um, the, the true risk takers left uh, because it's not easy to, to leave. Uh, but we need their talent back. But they're only going to return if we offer them employment opportunities. They left because, there were no good, they, because the jobs were not there. So it's all about jobs uh, at the end of the day. Uh, if, if, if we create enough good jobs, I'm sure we will convince a fraction I hope a significant fraction of those people who left to come back. But they also need long-term predictability. Once you've taken the decision to leave, you're not going to come back easily unless you're sure you're certain about your decision because you're not going to leave again. Uh, so uh, presenting a long-term vision for the country is, for me, extremely important. And then, of course, you have to look at where exactly did we lose the talent. And we may also need to realize that sometimes uh, our Greek educational system is actually uh, exacerbating a mismatch between the skills that the labor market requires and those that actually our universities are producing. The truth is we, quote unquote, produce more doctors than we need. We produce more lawyers than we need. Uh, uh, so what are doctors going to do? I mean, there's only that many jobs in Greece. Should we be spending, I don't know, 200,000 euros in total to train doctors only to see them leave and go to Germany and Sweden? It's debatable whether we should, uh, uh, whether we should uh, uh, do that. So looking forward, we need to do as much as we can to align the, the, the requirements uh, of, uh, of, the, of the job market. 
um, uh, with um, uh, the, uh, an educational system, a university system that is currently uh, not in touch with, uh, with, with the real um, uh, job market. And this, of course, also means looking at technical and vocational education, where we have a, a big hole, but where a lot of the jobs are going to be created. We, we don't have a high-end uh, um, sort of tourism business school in Greece. Yet we are a tourist country. We should be at the forefront of tourism education. And if the state can't do it, let's, you know, let's find a way to do it privately, even if that means that uh, there are going to be issues regarding the, the, the sort of the, the professional um, uh, sort of recognition of, uh, of, of, the, uh, of the diplomas. We don't have a top um, you know, shipping school uh, in, in Greece yet. We're the largest uh, um, shipping power in, uh, uh, in the world. We can't convince our, you know, our kids to, um, to become captains. Yet you can be a 30-year-old, you know, uh, captain of a VLCC making 10,000 euros a month and working, you know, seven, eight months a year in a ship that has no comparison in terms of the amenities to what, you know, um, you know ships were like 20, 30 years ago. So it's, I'm talking about these issues because uh, 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 they are important, not just about the, the diaspora, but also about the, the new graduates and how we think about you know, the jobs of the future. Economic zone, exclusive economic zone, it's not an, there is no obvious and simple answer um, uh, to, this, uh, to this question. It cannot be answered with a, uh, with a yes uh, or a no. Of course, uh, it is uh, uh, Greece's right to declare uh, an exclusive economic zone, but we need to be aware of the ramifications uh, of, uh, of such an act. Uh, I would, first of all, start by solving the problem with Albania. Um, uh, which was actually solved by the government in 2009. The Albanians went, went back on the agreement that was signed. Uh, the government is sort of renegotiating. Hopefully, it's going to be an agreement that is going to be acceptable. So let's, 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 start, let's start to our west first. Perfect. I think we can take a few more with your sure. patience. Yeah. So I see one hand there, and that may be going, going, gone, that may be, oh, I have a second one there, perfect. So, yes, sir, thank you. Hi, I'm Nick Klesis. Uh, my father was one of the people that left Greece in search of better opportunities many years ago. Um, you spoke of the need for structural reform, but of course you're talking about an economic sphere. There are some that would say that the political system itself is fundamentally unsound. What kind of changes would you consider? And let me give you an example. Uh, members of parliament frequently head ministries, and they get to do this, and they get to exploit their positions by hiring their relatives, their friends, their patronage networks, and also it's a great source of corruption if you can figure out how to get the money. Would you consider hiring technocratic experts, not politicians, to run ministries under uh, a new democracy government? Mm -hmm. Thank Fantastic. you. Fantastic. We have the colleague, I think, right behind. Yes, thank you, sir. Hi, Peter Milios, American Hellenic Institute. My question is, uh, what officials, have, if any, have you met with here in Washington, D.C. from the U.S. government, and uh, what message are they departing to you? Excellent way, and a great question to sum up. Uh, right. Maybe we'll take one last. Oh, oh, yeah. One more, sorry, I didn't, yeah. I didn't go to my, okay, one more. We'll yeah. oh, squeeze one more in. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Hello, I'm Joanna Owen. I would like to ask you, I know you have been um, quoting the platform of giving the vote to the Greek homogenia around the world. How realistic do you think that will be when, if you are in government? Oh, Thank that's you. A good, that's, a, that's a good question to wrap up. Um, first of all, it's an excellent question. Uh, I am concerned with, 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 with corruption and also with, with low level. Uh, corruption, high level, middle level, low level. I was 
heading the Minister for Administrative Reform, uh, and I think I, I focused a lot on issues of transparency and good governance. Uh, and these are really important reforms. But we need to lead by example. So um, the, um, the, uh, the, the straightforward answer is yes, I do intend to hire technocrats to run some of the ministries. In a parliamentary system, it is very difficult, if not impossible, to impose a complete ban between the legislative and the executive. Uh, we're not in a presidential system, so there is no direct separation of, of, of powers between parliament and the executive. But yes, I do intend to hire technocrats to lead ministers, but I also am looking for the best possible talent for the entire operations of the government. And it's going to be fully meritocratic to the extent that I can uh, guarantee that. We cannot afford to return to the old uh, um, sort of uh, habits of patronage and clientelistic politics. Unfortunately, Syriza is doing exactly that uh, as, we, uh, as we speak. So um, I'm going to reduce, significantly reduce the number of sec secretary generals, advisors, the, the fat that surrounds, the patronage fat that surrounds every uh, administration. Uh, it's a commitment uh, I've, uh, 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 I've made. And you know, sometimes uh, uh, you, do have to, you do have to lead by example. You have to take occasionally painful decisions. I've publicly said that no members of my family are going to be in my cabinet. Not, not always easy to, to make those, uh, uh, to make those, those, um, uh, those calls, but uh, sometimes it's, it's necessary to, um, uh, to symbolically indicate that you, you want a clean uh, break with, with the past. Um, uh, having said that, I do want to point out that Syriza has taken patronage politics to a new level in terms of literally hiring you know, um, uh, uh, friends and family right, left, and center. What is happening today is completely uh, unacceptable. And it's costing us a lot of money because the state is increasing again in size. You have lots of um, people hired by, through temporary contracts with a promise that they will become permanent civil servants at some point. So they're basically being held hostage by the government. The government is telling them to vote for me because uh, I'm the only one who's going to convert your contract into a permanent contract in spite of the fact that they can't do it because it's unconstitutional. You know, I'm telling them that it can't happen. So, um, but it's always nice to, to hear a convenient lie. Um, and that's what Syriza is basically doing. In terms of meetings, I had a broad range of meetings uh, with, uh, with the executive, with uh, uh, leadership uh, of, the, uh, 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 of the Congress, uh, State Department, essentially making the case that I, uh, I tried to, to make today. Greece uh, uh, as a stable and credible partner uh, in, in a turbulent region, uh, but also as a, as a country uh, worth considering uh, as it uh, sort of breaks, hopefully breaks out of the uh, out of the crisis. I think it's a message that is uh, uh, well received with uh, with a lot of interest uh, in Washington these days. And last last but not least, because it's a question very close to my heart, I will get this done with that for the diaspora. It's a commitment. It is perfectly doable. We have actually presented a piece of legislation to Parliament on how it can be done. Um, uh, but uh, Syriza refuses uh, to bring it to the floor for discussion because it's very uncomfortable for them to discuss about the, the, the right to vote for the Greek diaspora. How would you do it? It's not that complicated. Other countries do it. You would vote. Uh, you would need to pre-register and vote. Uh, 
uh, at the embassy or at the, uh, 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 or at the Greek consulates or at uh, other um, pre-assigned spaces. You would only vote for what we call the national ballot, so it, because it greatly, stream, it greatly simplifies the process because you don't need ballots from all the electoral uh, districts. Uh, uh, but it's something w- which we, we thought hard about it as far as the operations are concerned. We can do it. We need six to 12 months to prepare it. It will be done. Uh, we need 200 votes, votes in the next parliament to pass it. But I want to see, once we present it, who's going to say no. Um, uh, uh, it will be very difficult to say no to such a proposal. So uh, it, it will be done. Uh, uh, I'll get the votes. Uh, and uh, I tell you know, the homogenia, the, the Greeks, the diaspora living abroad, you know, come to vote. Um, be, uh, preferably vote for me. Uh, but uh, <laughs> come to vote because I hopefully uh, it's going to be the last time you will have to come to Greece to vote because next time you can actually vote here. So uh, I hope this is a convincing pitch uh, for, uh, for the Greek diaspora. Well, you've made a convincing pitch that uh, Greece uh, is really an anchor of stability and a very important geostrategic region for the United States, that we have a a strong and enduring bilateral relationship that we only hope to grow in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, thank you so much for walking us through. I I sort of put you through your paces. We really walked through a lot of very fraught, uh, complex international issues, domestic issues, and I I feel like I'm better informed of how this is going to work. We will watch very closely. I can tell from your questions that you are very well informed about uh, about what's what's happening in Greece. I will pass that along to my boss. Thank you very much. Uh, But uh, no, it's been a fantastic conversation. We look forward to watching uh, developments both uh, through the election process, but uh, please know that you have a lot of support, not only in this room, but Greece has uh, support from the United States to get through these very difficult last eight years. And we're glad it's a brighter brighter today and, uh, and a more hopeful tomorrow. With your Please thank Mr. Mitsotakis. Thank you. Thank you very much.